Welcome. Before we go to our text this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about our text. It's Philippians 2, verses 5 to 9. If, that doesn't, if you don't know what that means when we read it, you'll understand it. There's been tons of ink spilt about what it means. There's tons of theological content. There's tons of practical content about the nature of Christ and of uh, whether he was man or God. And I don't want you to get hung up on that. I don't want you to, um, to think that I'm ignoring it. I'm choosing not to talk about that tonight in light of, of something else. So as we go to the word... Um, Please read along with me. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Father, we come to your word and we are... We're set back by it, Father. It is amazing what, what we are able to celebrate at this time of year, that you have sent your Son into the world as our Savior. Father, I pray that as we study your word, that you would open it to us, that you would, that you would make it real to us. Father, I pray that we would be changed by it and that we would leave this place um, convicted of sin and righteousness and prepared to proclaim it to those uh, in our families and that we meet uh, Elsewhere, We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the text, in verse 5, the thing that I want to focus on, and I'm going to set everything else aside, the one thing I want to focus on is Paul says, have this attitude in yourselves also, which is in Christ Jesus. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight, is the attitude of Christ that we're commanded to have in ourselves. The attitude of Christ is not in our text, as, um, as we've read it. It's right above it. Paul tells the Philippians to, to consider themselves, to consider others better than themselves, to take into account others' interests and take care of them before their own interests are met. And then he tells them about Christ and how Christ has done that for them. I want you and I want me to have the same attitude as Christ. Paul tells the Philippians that Christ had everything. In verse 6 he says he, he existed in the form of God. What that means is that he was fully God. He had all of the delights of being God. And in the next breath, he says that it didn't mean anything to him. And the way he says that is by saying that he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But instead, Jesus came to earth in the likeness of men. He gave up all that he had and came here poor as a bondservant in the likeness of men to serve us. And as a result, because we don't know God as we ought, we don't know God as Christ uh, fully, our culture has told us that man, that we are the pinnacle of the universe, that the worship that we, that we offer is not to be worship offered to God, but worship offered to man. This is an assault on the, on the 
the nature of God. God has created us to worship him. That is our chief end. That is our primary purpose, is to worship him. And our culture tries to destroy that. It tries to take the, the worship that we owe God and, to, and give it to men. And we as Christians, it is our job, it is our charge, more than anything else, it is our chief end to be sure that God is worshipped, that we worship him and that we lead others to worship him. This is our whole purpose, to worship the king. In our culture, though, everything is opposed to that, right? It doesn't, it doesn't want any of that. Our culture has traded the living God for a counterfeit. And that counterfeit will never satisfy us. The goal of our culture is to make heaven on earth, to make here and now as good as it can be. Instant gratification, your best life now. That's the whole goal of our world. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is walk through College Mall. You guys have all been Christmas shopping. You've been through College Mall or you've been to Circle Center. Or you, even if you shop online, your pop-up ads, is any of it leading you to worship Christ? Does any of it cause you to, to glorify him? Or does it cause you to think about yourself or about the person you're getting the gift for and what they'll think of you and how they'll love you and how they'll praise you and give you glory? If you go through the mall, every picture, every advertisement, every every little kiosk in the middle of the aisle with the people that are handing out the things to you and saying, come here, smell this. Ma'am, if you come here and you put this on the men, they'll just go crazy. They'll think you're wonderful. You'll smell so good. The men will just follow you around. And the women come over and they do it. And then they go get new makeup and everything. And it's all set up so that, the, so that we'll worship ourselves. And not only we will worship ourselves, but we want other people to worship us. We want other people to bow down and to say, wonderful, you're wonderful and beautiful. And I love you. The, the goal of our, of our culture is to convert you to, the, to its religion, and that is the worship of self. And at this time of year, when we're all out buying gifts, at this time of year, we should be celebrating, celebrating the birth of our Savior. And instead, what we're doing is frantically walking around the mall, if you're like me, trying to figure out what to get people. It's the week before Christmas, and you have all of this pressure on you to to. to Think of yourself and to think of them and none to think of God. This is what my, my wife and I have been dealing with this last week. We get, we've gotten a phone call probably every day since Monday. What do you want for Christmas? My, I, I get a phone call. What's your wife want for Christmas? And I say, oh, she wants this and that, or I, I really am not sure. And then my wife gets a call. What's Dave want for Christmas? What are the kids? What kind of toys do you want for the kids? What do you want? What do you want? And this is what my wife and I have been dealing with. And I'm sure that we're not unique in dealing with that. We're not the only ones. Our family all wants to know what we want for Christmas. I don't know about you, but when someone asks me what I want for Christmas, it's a hard question to answer. And I just realized this year why it's hard. My mom's told me my whole life, you're an impossible person to buy for because you'll never tell me what you want. And I finally figured out, at least as of late, why that's, why that's the case. It's, a, it's hard because... I don't generally think about things I want. If you're poor, you think about things you need, not things you want. Um, there are things I want. They're expensive, and my family can't afford them, and I don't want them to get them for me. But she says, well, what do you want? And I say, well, I don't know what I want. Uh, a, a, a tie clip. Uh, I need some new socks. I mean, I want some new socks. <laughs> so my mom specifically said, I don't want you to tell me what you need. I want you to tell me what you want. And I said, well, mom, 
I want this thing and it costs like 500 bucks. And I want this other thing and it costs like 500 bucks. And I know you can't afford that and I don't want you to buy it. And she says, well, what do you, what else do you want? And I said, well, the things that I want then right underneath that stuff are things I need. And I really want them because I need them. (laughs) So there's this thing about Christmas where that the question that we ask is, what do you want? What do you want for Christmas? What do you want? And the reason it's hard is because Christmas is a time when we should celebrate being given what we need, not what we want. It's the last thing that I need in in my little two-bedroom apartment or you need in your house is more stuff. The last thing my kids need are more toys. We don't have room for them. They need things. They don't need more toys. But everyone wants to give them what they want. That's the difficulty for me is, is... is telling people what I want when there are things that I need. And it's hard for me to give things to people that they want when I know what they need. So why do we do it? Why do, you, why do we compromise and give, thing, give things to people that they've asked for instead of the things that they need? For me, and I think for you, the reason that I do it is because it's a salve for my conscience. I'm able to go and I'm able to give them something that they said they wanted, and I've thought, I've done my job, I've given them something they've wanted. And they're happy now. And they say thank you. And we take pictures. And it's, it's just a wonderful time. And I go, I'm able to go home then and forget about the fact that my family's a wreck. <laughs> it's a complete wreck. It's filled with depravity and sin. And, and I didn't do anything about it. So I'm able to give them, oh, here's some socks or here's some lotion or here's a book or here's an ornament or here's whatever they want. And I, and I don't, because I do that, I don't have to go to them and say, that may be what you want, but this is what you need. If the whole premise of us giving gifts to one another is that God sent his son to the earth, if we give gifts because of that, then why are we so caught up with giving people what they want instead of what they need? Do you think, do you think that the world wanted Christ when he was sent to earth? They didn't want him. The world did not want Christ to come. When Joseph and Mary showed up, they went to the inn and there was no room. And they ended up in a cattle stall to have a baby. And as I was thinking about that, I thought of Kim and I thought of Mary Lee and I thought of Barbara because they're all about birth. And I love them because they come when my wife has a baby and they help take care of her. And Kim's all about like... And the hospital is all about having the lights the right way and having good smells and having nice music. And it's wonderful because it's all helpful to my wife. But have you ever considered the conditions that Mary gave birth in? It was a cattle stall. I don't know how many of you have been in a cattle stall, but I have the privilege of feeding a calf every day when I go to work. And it's nasty. It's just nasty. The cow hits me and he snorts and he hits, he hits me with his teeth and it stinks. It's nasty. It's just a nasty thing. And that's where she gave birth. It's not anything like what we, ha- what we have nowadays. And then as soon as the baby was born, what happened? They had to flee to Egypt. Why? Because Herod wanted to kill the baby. And that's not to say there wasn't anything good that came from, from Christ's birth. The Magi and the shepherds came, and they worshipped him. And we're here to worship him. But the Magi had to go home by a secret route and not tell Herod where the baby was 
because he wanted to kill him. Don't make any mistake about it. Christ was not welcome when he came. And as it was then, it's the same today. The world makes every effort to remove the worship that's due to God, that's due to Jesus Christ, and to give it to men. This is one of the reasons why Paul tells the Philippians to have the same attitude as Christ, this attitude of giving of yourself to people who have need, not want. They have need of something that you possess. Paul tells them to take care of other people's needs rather than their own. How else could Paul say in verse 6, Jesus existed in the form of God, but he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. God was not giving the world with all of its sin and all of its wickedness what it wanted. He gave them what, they, what it needed. He sent his son to earth to provide salvation. This is true love that God demonstrated toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. His birth, his coming here, his, his setting aside his glory and coming here as a slave, born in a cattle stall, was his love to us. And, his, and he could not have died for our sins had he not been born. So how about us? I, I've said this is what Christ is. He gives of himself, self-sacrificially, even to the point of dying on a cross. And we're to have the same attitude as him, so what does that look like for us? Well, again, in the same way that when you walk through the mall, there's all kinds of lights and pictures and everything else to like distract you from worshiping God and giving him glory, it's the same when it comes to you. The devil's made provision for you to feel good without having to give the way Christ has given. You can give food to homeless shelters. You can give, toys for, give to toys for tots. You can give to bikes for tykes. There's all kinds of stuff you can give to. And you can help people. Kids need bikes. People need food. I'm not saying any of that's bad. I'm glad for you to give to them and to do it generously. It is, it's, a, it's Christian to do it. I'm not saying that stuff's bad. But if you stop there and you think that, that at that point you've, you have the same attitude as Christ, you've deceived yourself. This is not true. And that's my concern, is that what we'll do with with toys for tots is what we'll do with, with our families. And it's what we'll do with our coworkers. And we can't do it. You can't do it. This is our charge, to have the same attitude as Christ. It's not to give people what they want. It's to give them what they desperately need. So as you go out from here, if you're like me, I'm going to spend time with family tomorrow. <clears throat> And it's my responsibility and yours to give your families what they need. Christ gave himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is our charge, to have the same attitude, to give in the same way to those who need. I don't know the specifics of your situation, but the truth is they're, they, they're not that much different than mine. You have family that hates God and don't want anything to do with him, and want to shut you down as soon as you even think about saying something. And it's your call to preach to them. To love them. You can give them gifts this year. You can give them gifts next year. You can give them gifts all until they die. But you've never given them what they need. I do want you to remember that when Christ came, I said it before and I'll say it again. Christ was not welcomed 
by this world when he came to bring salvation to the nations. In John 1, it says that he came to his own, and his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. So I don't want to. I don't want to get you all excited and send you home and tell you go go preach and people are all going to be converted. It'll just be wonderful because you know the truth is is it may not be. People may not be converted. So I want you to know that Christ wasn't welcomed by those who were His own, and that's what I face when I go home. People who are my own who aren't going to receive me unless the Holy Spirit moves in them. But directly after that verse that says those who were His own do not receive Him, it go. Um, he goes on to say that as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So I'm gonna, I want to close by telling a little bit more of my life. Christmas is always difficult for me. It starts at Thanksgiving and it goes through New Year's, and that time of year is hard for me. And it's not hard like it's hard for college students because I have because they have finals and all that stuff. It's hard for me because I have to go spend time with my family. And none of them believe in God. And it pains me. You would think it's, it's, it's inconceivable for me to think of going and spending time with all of my family and they don't love God. They hate him. And I don't even know what to do with it. I could say I, it scares me. I could say it makes me mad. I could say it frustrates me. But I end up going, I don't know what to do. And you sit and you go, well, if, if you came to me with that situation, what I'd say is, well, you've got to preach the gospel to him. You've got to preach. You've got to tell him the good news. And I'll tell you, I'll confess to you, I haven't done it with my family. I'm dreading going to my family's house tomorrow. And my wife and my sister who are going with me are sitting here listening to me say this. And when I go in the car, they're going to say, Did you, are you going to, what about? And then we're going to drive home and they're going to say, well, how did, how did, it didn't go so well. It went like, why didn't you say it? <laughs> right? So there's something at stake. I stand up here and it means something. I'm not just talking to you. The truth is that I just dread the time because I don't want to say anything. I don't want them to hate me. I don't want to do what Christ did. I don't want his mind. I don't want his attitude. I don't want to do the things that he did. The other reason that I, I don't like to go home is because I don't want to give gifts to my family. And what I mean by that is they all, you know, well, what do you want? They ask me what I want, and I'm wondering, what do you want? And I'm supposed to go up there, and I'm supposed to give them what they want. And I remember a lot of the time I can't afford to give them what they want. They won't tell me what they want because they're adults, and adults never tell their kids what they want for Christmas. But... It just, it just laments me. It just makes me, it just bums me out. It's, it's a little different because my family, we have little kids. My fam, we have two little kids and I have a cousin. So we just get gifts for them and we, we, it, it just takes the focus and the heat off of, of, out of all of us. Um, but it doesn't do anything for, for how I feel when I go home. I leave going, I didn't have anything to give them that they wanted. I knew what they needed. I didn't give them that either. And it's, it's really, it's been discouraging to me. But I do want to tell you something. I was reading um, in Acts, and I was thinking about this. This is what I've been thinking about since Thanksgiving. You know, what am I going to do? My wife says, are we going to go to your family's house for Thanksgiving? And I go, well, I don't know. I've got to preach a wedding on Thanksgiving, you know. I guess, I guess we just won't go, which is actually true. I did have to 
preach on, on Thanksgiving. It was a great reason not to go. And what's my family do? Oh, well, we'll just get together on Friday. I didn't get out of it. I have to go up there. I have to spend time with them. And it's, you laugh because it's true. You know it's exactly how you feel about going home and spending time with your family that don't believe. It's miserable. So I want to encourage you. And I'm, I don't have anything. I can, I'm not giving my family anything they want this year. They didn't tell me. I couldn't afford it if they had, so they're not getting anything that they want. But I want to tell you what, what Peter said in Acts 3. This is when Peter and John are walking up to the temple. They're going to preach. And they're walking, and there's the lame man laying on the side, and he's begging for alms. And Peter comes and says, look at us. Look at us. And the man looks up thinking, they're going to give me some money. So he looks, and what's Peter say to him? How many of you know what Peter says to him? Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. Believe in Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And he seized him by the right hand and he pulled him up. And his ankles were strengthened and he walked and he leaped, praising God. And all the people were amazed. And that's the truth about me and that's the truth about you. I don't care if you have money. You don't need it. I don't care if you don't have gifts. You don't need them. You have family that needs the gospel. And you have coworkers that need it. And you have it. You have to give it to them. That is love. That was Christ coming here. And that's what he gave to you. And it's your call to have the same mind as Christ. The same attitude. And to give that to the people who don't know him. You think of the lame man. And what did he ask for? He said, give me money. I need money. Do you know why he asked for money? He asked for money because he thought that was as good as it got. He thought that's as good as it can possibly be for me. People can give me money and I, and I can buy food. He couldn't even dream of being able to walk. And Peter said, get up and walk. And he got up and walked. So you don't have to have silver. You don't have to have gold. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have anything. What you have is the pearl of great price. And you have faith in Jesus Christ that was able to make that man get up and walk and make the blind see and make the deaf hear. And God does work through the gospel and preaching and proclaiming it. And some people will hate you. They hated him too. Don't be surprised when they hate you. They persecuted him also. That's the attitude of Christ. People don't know what they need. That's why they tell you what they want. They don't know how to say, what I need is to have the burden of all of my sin lifted off my shoulders. They don't know how to say it. You know how to give it to them. And it's your responsibility to give it to them. So I charge you, give it to them. If you have family, and I know you do, that don't love Jesus, if you have children and dads and moms and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins and grandmas, this is your charge. This is faithfulness to God. This is why God, Christ came to earth. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we're here. What you have is, is a gift to give to people that, that leads to eternal life, that blesses them in this life and in the life to come. Don't you dare bury it. Don't you bury it.